Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Wednesday, June the 19th, I'm your host, D.A. NBA free agency almost here. NBA draft is just around the corner this week. And the Houston Rockets don't know up from down. They're two most indispensable players. Chris Paul and James Harden apparently have unsalvageable differences, according to multiple reports. And now a report that they didn't speak to one another for two months during the season that Chris Paul continually is reaching out to James Harden and Harden won't return his phone calls or texts. So where do the Rockets go from here? Going into the draft, you can't really move Chris Paul's contract, can you? Don't you have to suit him back up and let him go back out because there are really no other options? Or is there a way to blow this thing up and still hold on to James Harden? Here's Mad Radio on Sports Radio 610 in Houston on this developing and uncomfortable relationship. Apparently, they went two months without speaking to each other during the season, sources said. Two months without speaking to each other, which frankly, I don't think that's possible, especially on a basketball team. I'm trying to think of, the, you know, Gary Walker and I had stretches of time where we didn't get along. We were both defensive linemen. Like, we had, we, people used to say we were like an old married couple. We were like, we were never going to get divorced. We played with each other on two different teams over the course of seven years. Yep. And we would go through these phases where, like, we loved each other and then we would despise each other. Then we'd love each other, then we would despise each other. But there was never a time where we, where we could get away with not speaking to each other. Because we played on the same defensive line. So that's kind of the same thing. You got four guys on a defensive line, you know, eight, nine, ten guys in the meeting room. You gotta talk they a little bit. can't get away with not talking to each other. There's stuff, there's, there's business that needs to be conducted. I'm sure you loved it when people were like, oh yes, yeah, Seth, you guys are just like an old married couple. Yeah, I'm sure you were like thrilled a, with it. You mean like, cause I wanna stab him? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, the, now the Armada has come out. And we're all fine now. We're now we're like, uh, now we're like Excellent. the two, now we're like, like the two retired cop buddies that yeah. used to, like back in the day when we had to work with each other we'd fight all the time but now we just like sit on the porch and drink tea true detective yeah. season four yeah. seth we're like, payne we're like, Gary walker what? we were both kind of d-bags back in the day weren't we <laughs> yeah 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 we sure were i like the show idea here yeah so now the armada has come out giving all these different anecdotes about what it was like between james and chris during the season uh craig ackerman tweeted that he's on the team plane for every trip he can confirm that basically there's a seating and card-playing relationship between James and Chris. 
uh, on road trips. And, and for my money, so well, I, I, by I, that by that you mean a good arrangement. They sit next to each other and play cards. Yeah, so the, the like, way you described it sounded like everybody has to be sure they sit just so, so these guys don't make eye contact. They no, play they cards. Were like they're playing cards all the time. They play cards. This uh, is the now, one thing. The one thing I wonder though, because I I get a little concerned. Uh, frankly, I've been burned by people close to the Rockets before. By that I mean the people who cover the Rockets, because as I recall, as I recall, I had to listen to two plus years of. Huh, there's no issue between Dwight and James. Everything's fine. These are stupid, all these reports. And then I would say within eight milliseconds after Dwight was gone, well, everybody knew these guys didn't get along. <laughs> it was clear as day. Oh, this is like oil and water, these two. Like, all right, so what is it? Tell me what what is it. This feels, this report by this Goodwill uh, fella that we're trying to get on, and yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make puns on his name too. Vince I'm gonna make, Goodwill. I'm gonna make puns that he's heard 1,800 times before in his life. But I'm gonna do something cheesy like, <laughs> "Do you feel like you've got much goodwill left in yeah. Houston?" Vince, is had, my no last name's Payne. I've had to deal with it. Now he can deal with it. So I think, uh, I, I think that he, he likely heard reports from people, maybe disgruntled ex coaches or something. And told, I, I bet people told him stories that were true. The problem is, once you play the telephone game on these things, I think writers have a tendency to hear a couple of stories about drama, and immediately in their minds they think, well, that sounds like it's an irreconcilable difference, and it seems like maybe way more dramatic than it actually is, compared to, like, let's say, like when Gary Walker and I were playing together. We used to butt heads. We might blow up at each other a little bit. And then, you know, like three minutes later, we're, uh, we're I'm, I'm putting cream in his coffee. It's just, it's... It's not that big a deal, but the isolated reports and incidents sound like it's a much bigger deal than it is. I think the very, I think the very real problem, the most likely problem, is that these two guys do have a difference of opinion in exactly how the ball's going to be distributed. Like that just makes sense, doesn't it? I think that's totally fair. And, and maybe they get into arguments about it. I think I would prefer to have arguments about it. I would prefer to have blowups about it. People are showing that video from two years ago where Harden swatted away Chris Paul's hands. I like that because. Product, you get productive things out of conflict like that. It was the James Harden, Dwight Howard type of bad relationship that I don't like. Because none of that ever gets fixed. It never gets out in the open. Look, I don't know what you do if Chris Paul and Harden won't talk to one another. To me, there's blame on both sides here. I think Chris Paul might be not realizing because of his ego that he's a diminished player. And that while he's making all of this money, he's not really worth all of that money. Maybe at one point he was no longer. And that James Harden is the most important player on the team, and he needs to give him leash. Now, for James Harden, look, return phone calls, return texts. You're a grown adult, and this is a teammate. Aren't you trying to win to just avoid and ignore and play a baby role in a guy that's reaching out to you doesn't help anybody either. So if you really want to win, you've got to help fix it yourself. But undeniably, there's a lot of problems in Houston, and I don't know if there's a lot of solutions. Now, across the NBA... Teams are wondering, are we going to lose our guy? Kawhi Leonard could leave Toronto. Perhaps Kevin Durant is leaving Golden State. And there's a couple of players in Philadelphia that might leave the Sixers. Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick. Former Sixers GM Billy King joined Angelo Cataldi on WIP in Philadelphia and the morning show. When do you know you're losing a guy? If you're assessing right now, the Sixers are losing two guys. Harrison Butler, and they are communicating with other teams, with other players. How do you decide when you're in trouble with a free agent? Can you take me through the thought process with a guy like Butler? 
Well, you sort of get a feel during the season. I know they weren't here long, but if you're talking to them, the body language, how they're dealing with the teammates, the teammates give you a feel like that guy's he's out the door. Um, so you, you have an, an idea or it's going to be close, and so you've got to – but the one thing that you always knew you had in your back pocket if you're the home team is the, is the money. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking at 140 for Tobias and Jimmy for other teams to 190, that's a lot of money. Um, and so I, I think if you – and I think what's, helped, what's going to help them is what the Lakers did because now they don't have as much money. Um, and if Brooklyn is talking about getting – uh, Kyrie Irving, okay, if Tobias or Jimmy go there, are they? I still don't think they'd be better than a Sixers. So when you combine money and the chance to win, uh, it's hard to beat that. Hey, so you think no matter what we hear, Billy, in the end, Tobias Harris is going to look at that extra money and say, I can't walk away from it. I, you know, my gut and just what I'm hearing, I, I think they both are going to be back. Both of them. You think yes. Butler and Harris come back because money always speaks loudest. Well, I think money, but I think they also realize they've got a good chance to win here, Ainge. And if you look at it, I mean, they were close, but also put a whole training camp. And and you you got a special player in Joel Embiid. Um, And you don't, a lot of teams don't have a player of his caliber and his ability. And so you can go to other places. And Kyrie Irving is not a Joel Embiid. So um, if you look at the money, the chance to win and play with a special player, it's, it's something you just don't walk away from. Billy, if you were running the Lakers, would you have done that Anthony Davis deal? Well, some people probably say I did that deal in Brooklyn just to get Anthony Davis. That's but. right. <laughs> That's right. So um, you so you would have done it. Well, I think they were in a position and they had to get Anthony Davis. They had to get somebody there, and I think they could not rely on the free agent free agent market because if they'd have won another year without getting a, a marquee name there, um, it'd have been tough for Gene to keep the management in place and. And I think you'd have probably heard Rummings and LeBron probably, yeah, you know, it's time I, I want out um, because then he'd only have two more years left. So I think they were in a desperate situation where they had to do whatever it takes. Then fortunately for them, I think on the back end when LeBron is done, his contract comes to an end, and even the Anthony Davis may be a free agent, that's when a lot of those picks are going to come into play because in 23, 24, 25, those picks are going to be uh, unprotected and – you have no idea what their roster will be, especially with LeBron being gone by that point. All right, one last thing, Billy, and I hope you know about it. This is I'm referencing long, long ago before you became very happily married. You were extremely skilled at wooing people. You are a wooer, all right? How would you woo Kawhi Leonard? If you were still a GM somewhere, Billy, how would you convince him to come play for you? Well, I, I mean, I would just appeal to him for what, as an organization, we have – to, to offer, um, and and I would I'd really play on the fan base here, and especially say if you saw in Toronto, if you liked, you know, talk to Alan Iverson what it was like in two thousand one, you know, talk to the Eagles, and I'd have those guys talking about the parades, the Phillies, you know, the Eagles, and say you know what the, the passion of fan base. Don't listen to what the outside noise of what they talk about Philadelphia. Talk to the people that understand Philadelphia, and uh, and I'd be. I'd have them go through the city. I'd take them out so the fans can really let them know how much they want them. The Sixers better hope they don't lose everybody here because just a team with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, yes, it's interesting, and yes, those two players can be very, very good. But those two players aren't enough to put this team over the top of the Eastern Conference along with other bit parts. 
Can you bring in another big-tier free agent? Maybe, but you've traded away a lot of your assets to acquire guys like Tobias and Jimmy Butler. And so thus, those guys didn't come there because they were free agents and had a decision. They came there because they were traded there. The Sixers are in a tough spot because the East is getting better. No doubt the Milwaukee Bucks are very good. We assume the Brooklyn Nets should be very good. The Boston Celtics, who knows what happens there, but they have been very good. If Toronto holds on to Kawhi Leonard, they're obviously the champs. And even if they lose him, they're a pretty good basketball team. There's a lot in the East that you have to watch out for. And let's not even forget the Indiana Pacers with a healthy Victor Oladipo. The Sixers better hope not all of these guys are departing in one fell swoop. In Boston, maybe they won't be so good because Kyrie Irving is likely to leave. But a guy that we never thought was going to, Al Horford, might be as well. Is this coming from left field? Well, here's Radio.com NBA insider Rick Buecher, who joined Jamie and Stoney on 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. Is there more stuff bubbling underneath the surface in Boston than maybe the average person is aware of? Because a year ago... They got to the East Finals. They got to Game 7 without Kyrie, without Hayward, and we just figured, yeah. oh, well, my gosh, they're they're going to be loaded next year. They're going to run away with the East, and now Horford opts out, Kyrie opts out. Is, is, is there a lot more going on there? Well, actually, I, just, I feel as if there's more going on with teams that maybe we sometimes uh, take into account. We look at the names, we look at the numbers, we look at the success, and we – and I did the same thing. I expected the I expected the Celtics to win it all this year. I looked at their roster. I looked at their experience from last year, and I thought you had the one thing that they were missing was a proven closer. Well, what is Kyrie Irving with playoff experience? What a perfect combination! And Brad Stevens, because of his relationship with Gordon Hayward and his relationship with those the, the players on that team, he's going to be able to make that work. It's an intrusion to put those guys into the ro- rotation, but they'll make it work. And I believe that what we, we didn't take into account is, is the importance of chemistry. It's what had made the Warriors so special. I would say in, in some respects, it's what, you know, Blake Griffin coming into the, into the Pistons and uh, cultivating relationship with Reggie and, and Andre and allowed that team that on paper was an okay team, not a great team, but to, to fight its way into the playoffs. I, I, what they had a, a year ago is that they were completely discounted, and they had a bunch of young guys who wanted to prove, hey, we're better than you think we are. We can still compete. And that was a driving force and an element that brought them together. Uh, when you are the underdog and nobody's counting on you, that's a completely different position than when you are the hunted. And that's what they were last year. They were supposed to come in. There were no expectations the year before. It was, oh, it's too bad. They've lost two of their best guys. Uh, and then they, they surpassed expectations. They weren't on anybody's radar, and, uh, and, and they weren't under any pressure to succeed. This year was completely different. It was, they were supposed to be the best team in the East. Uh, they were supposed to take the league by storm. And when that doesn't happen... Then they're guys begin to look around the locker room and go, oh, okay, what's different? Oh, that guy's different. Oh, my role's different. And that can tear a team apart. And, uh, and that's exactly what it did. And I, I think we also, you know, we, we might have anointed Brad Stevens as one of the greatest coaches of all time. <laughs> Maybe just a little premature. Yeah, yeah just, just a little. Look, Al Horford is not 
losing Kawhi or Kevin Durant or one of these other superstar free agents, but he's a pretty good player on a team that was already losing Kyrie and had their young players regress last season. And if you're the Celtics, losing Al Horford is not only losing a player, but it's losing a guy that did a lot in your locker room. He was one of the guys that seemed to keep everybody on the same page as much as possible last season. And if he leaves, then who steps into a leadership role? It's going to have to be one of the young guys unless you can swing a free agent deal for somebody else that goes unpicked somewhere amongst the Tier A destinations around the NBA. But I don't think there's a lot of people that saw Al Horford not opting back into a $30 million option. However, in Boston, they're also scratching their heads saying, wait a second, should we have seen this coming? Here's Dale and Keefe on WEEI in Beantown. This one really does come as a surprise because Al Horford is is so quiet. Like, think about all the rumors about Kyrie Irving all season, all season long. Brooklyn, uh, oh my God, maybe he's going to reunite with uh, LeBron in L.A. Maybe he's going to go to the Knicks with Durant. There was always rumors with him. Guess what? Al Horford also had a player option. Never heard a peep no. from him. Never even a thought that he was going to go somewhere else. And I just think he looks around and says a couple of things. One, if I want to win a title, it's not going to be here. And maybe when he originally signed here, he thought that they had a chance. He thought, hey, this is a better option than I think Washington was one of the other teams that offered him a ton of money, and he chose the Celtics over that. And he also probably... Danny Ainge didn't give him as much money as he wanted to over the course of three years, and I think that's actually smart by Ainge. I wanted Horford for this year. I don't think I wanted Hor- I don't want Horford for three years down the road. So you're at reset now. I mean, pretty if, much. If you're a Celtics yeah. fan, you are back at square one reset, and it's not going to be pretty here. I mean, uh, unless Danny can come up with some unbelievable trade out of nowhere. Take a look at some of the names that have been linked to the Celtics over the last few days. Stop me when you hit one that excites you. Well, there's a couple guys I like. They are just, I don't know what you'd have to give up. And I think Bradley Beal's a great player. I think he, well, maybe a B-plus player, but he's very, he's very, very good. I like Bradley Beal. But if you're talking about kicking in a Tatum or a Brown or no, something like you. that for it, then I'd rather just take my chance yeah. that they develop into a to a top 15 player down the road. don't you kind of expect that, at least in Tatum's case, maybe even more than Brown's, the departure of Irving might help yes. in that development? Yeah, it shouldn't, but I think it will. Yeah. Like, the best player leaving shouldn't be, oh, now it's, now it's great. But I think for these guys, but the problem is, for me, when you looked at last year, and you remember that, that team photo that everybody tweeted out, and it was all five of the guys with their arms crossed, yeah. like, oh, look out, look out, Easter Conference. If I said you had to get rid of two of those players, like you had to get rid of two, it probably would have been Brown and Hayward, right? I think at that point, you said, keep Kyrie. Again, going all the way back to then. Keep Kyrie. Tatum has the most upside. And then Horford's a really good compliment to all those guys. The two that left really screw you the most because there's so much redundancy with like wing scorers and Brown and, and Tatum and, and Hayward. They didn't fit well together. Now, I understand there's more shots with Kyrie gone. There's, what, like 20 shots more to go around. But somebody's going to be the starting unless point one guard. one guy wants all of them. <laughs> I was going to say, unless they bring back Rozier, and yeah. then there's a wash because he's going <laughs> to take all those shots. But I still, there's still that part of it where how does Brown, Hayward, and Tatum fit in together? Because, again, it's not like in the NBA like it used to be where you're a point guard and you're a shooting guard and you're a small forward and you're a power forward. It's not like that anymore. So you can play all three of those guys at once, but they're going to need to play well together. Like if they have any chance at making the playoffs, and I think they still do because the Eastern Conference is – 
going to be wide open. And again, especially with Kawhi Leonard leaving, if Jimmy Butler leaves, like it's going to be a new look Eastern Conference next year. They should still be able to make the playoffs, but it's going to come down to those three guys. Those three guys are all going to have to have career-type years. Well, a texter jumps in and says, you're not at reset because you have Tatum, Brown, and, and Gordon. Okay, you do. So it's not a reset, is there it's a, a rebrand. But is there a superstar among them? There is a not one. There is a hope that Tatum and year might three might be is. someday. That's the and even this year, it's I mean, gonna have, you're going to have to accelerate it. There is not a top ten player. There might not be a top twenty player. There is not. There's not a top twenty player right now. Hayward, so, Hayward's so that, too far that's down. That's reset. List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's close to it. Hayward's such a wild card in all this because he had a few games last year. Remember both games against Minnesota? He had like thirty something points against them, and you're like, here he is. Here's the guy. And then he would just disappear for stretches. So he's a wild card because he has been an all-star in this league. Tatum and Brown, you're waiting for them to take that jump forward and become an all-star in the league. They're not there yet, but they're going to have to be. And, like, can you take what they did two years ago in the playoffs? Can you sort of take that and project that forward and say, all right, if that there's a lot of responsibility on those guys then. they were There was no top 20 player on the team then. I mean, maybe Horford was close. He was probably outside of the tournament. I mean, 20, you know, four. But, you know, because he was an all-star. But can those guys take that and improve on it? It's going to be year three for Jason Tatum, year four for Jalen Brown. That's usually, when you go back and look at some of these guys, that's usually when they kind of break through the, the ceiling. There was so much focus on Kyrie and where he would end up this offseason. So much focus on why they were underachieving. So much focus on what was going wrong that I think people did ignore Al Horford. And I never think that Horford gets enough credit for what he does and does really well because he's not splashy. He's not a superstar. But Al Horford does a lot of the things other guys won't do. And there absolutely is a value there. So if the Celtics do end up losing both Kyrie and Horford... There's going to be a major void there, not only from a talent standpoint, but also from a little thing standpoint, especially inside that locker room. On Thursday night's draft, Zion will go number one to the New Orleans Pelicans. At number two, we presume it'll be Ja Morant out of Murray State. Now, Ja ends up in Murray State because he was a late bloomer and he was overlooked by a lot of schools. But why wasn't he noticed? Here's Ja's dad, T. Morant, who joined Jason and John on 92.9 in Memphis, the presumed home of John ja Morant. What happened to all the attention that Josh ja should have gotten when he was a late-blooming star in high school? Not to be arrogant or anything, but Ja was better than most of these kids. Yeah. You know, so I'm wondering, what are we doing wrong? He's playing He's playing in the same circuit. You know, he's, he's putting in the same amount of work, no, if not more, and... They were rolling in real slow. So I want to say his last little leg of a, the tournament, I think he probably got about, I mean, AU uh, uh, season, he probably got about 11. Uh, one, one tournament he averaged 40 in the tournament, and he got like 11 offers in like one weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was it was crazy. So my thing was, he he was getting down on himself and asking the question, what I got to do, what I'm doing wrong. He questioned himself and all, you know. But then um, once once he stepped foot on Murray, it was like he didn't even care about uh, any other offers because he fell in love with it. And just like I told him from the beginning, you know, don't go with who you want to be with. Go with who wants you. Yes, sir. You know, so 
that's the thing I, I see a lot of uh, kids failing at. I don't know whether it's guidance or they just trying to get uh, go to that big name instead of, you know, go where you're going to excel at to the highest and who believes in you enough to, you know, allow you to be yourself. You know, you know the dad, I, I think a lot of fathers will, will, will are curious about your answer to this question, and I am too as one. And I wonder how much of his quick his ascent in this meteoric rise is this. You, you, he said that you're his biggest hater in a sense that, kind of like what you touched on, y'all will go and look at his mistakes, right, before you mm-hmm. before you give him all the credit for all the good he's done. Where is right. that? Where's that line, Dad? For me, for all the fathers that are out there, right? You want to push your son, and you have to to get him to the best that he can be, but you don't mm-hmm. want to overdo it. So for you, naturally, right. what what's the advice to us fathers out here who want to push him, but we don't want to push too hard? Yeah, you. I mean, you got to find a happy median as far as that, and I will, I, I can say that my our happy median was my wife. You know, <laughs> as far you. as you yeah. know, I would I would push him hard. You know, and but I knew when to pull back. Yes, sir. So it's, it's the relationship you got with your child, for one. But, like, I had a, I had a whole lot of cold beds because of that hard push. You know, why are you always trying to embarrass him? Ain't nobody trying to embarrass him. I just want him to work yes, is sir. how I used to handle it. Yes, you know, but, you know, I, I say you got, to, you got to build that sense of trust and understanding. And, see, I think he listened to me a lot because he knew – I understood the game. Yes, sir. I wasn't just making him do crazy stuff just to do it. I was making him do stuff that I feel would help his game out, you know. Yes, sir. And, yeah, push him to the level where he feel like he's about to break, and I know when to pull back, cool. you know, and give him an attaboy or whatever, you know. Yeah. But my thing was, my thing was I did I, – I hate complacency. And I think a lot of kids someday – I mean, sometimes once you get all the credit and hype, you become complacent, yes, sir. And I ne- and I never wanted him to become complacent, so I never really gave him all the credit that I knew he was looking for. So anytime he'd do something, I was like, uh, "For what? You overrated? You ain't did nothing yet." And I would I would be saying stuff like that, you know, because I know as the as the uh, as he keep on rising yes, as sir. far as uh, levels and all, that he's gonna hear that from crowd. Mm-hmm. So before so before they had a chance to say it. I was saying it all the time. Got you. You know, I mean, he would he would post up on uh, social media, and I I I share it, but I put overrated. You know. Wow. You called <laughs> yeah. your own son overrated on Twitter. Yeah, several times. <laughs> Look, this is the type of guy that you love to have because he's already been overlooked, and he's also a star. And so you have a built-in chip on the shoulder, help motivate the guy, be grounded. You go to Murray State, you can't have an enormous ego. Let's face it. If you're overlooked by a bunch of big schools, you can't have an enormous ego. And so bringing in John Morant, you can draft him number two, and he still is not going to think of these all that. That's a big win for the Memphis Grizzlies, a franchise that has always desperately sought relevance. And bringing in a guy like Ja, I think it's absolutely going to be that type of relevance factor that they have because you're going to have to want to see what Jod does next. Finally, after all of this basketball news, there is a baseball story that we need to talk about. And this is Manny Machado, who gets into an argument with the ump over the weekend. He ends up getting kicked out of the game, ejected. He throws his bat against the wall, and now he's dealing with a one-game suspension. Is that fair? Well, Machado certainly has been petulant in the past, but 
other guys seemingly have done worse and not gotten a one-game suspension. The umpires union feels so strongly about this that they tweeted and posted on Facebook their support of this one-game suspension. So it is Manny versus the umpires union, and there's still some bad blood in Baltimore about how it all ended with Machado and the Orioles. Here's 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore and the Big Bad Morning Show. Yesterday afternoon, Jerry Coleman made an appearance on the Scott and Jeremy show, and hilarity ensued. Unpaid. He's playing for another team. He doesn't give a full effort. So are you going to two main reasons? You're going to come on because he doesn't give a major effort. Well, he's not giving major effort for another team. Do Do you stand? He's not on your team. Why would you boo him for not giving major effort? I mean, come on. Because you pay it, you pay to go out and see a tick, uh, to see a guy play and give a hundred percent, and he hits us. He hits a ball off the wall, ends up on first base, or he overswings and hits the catcher on the back of his head, or he slides in dirty to second, or he stands on the first this, baseman's foot, you know, running out a ball. This Why might would be you a, cheer someone? No. Why would you cheer someone hey, who pulls those type of maneuvers? Don't show your lack of baseball knowledge by saying he overswings and hits the catcher on the yeah, head because I mean, that's, that's just, about the catcher, not not about the hitter. Yeah. Well, Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I disagree with that, Scott, because it happens more routinely with him than almost anyone in baseball. Because he had a long swing. Adam Jones would do it, too. Adam had a long swing. Not at the rate it's gone with Manny. I've seen it way too many times with him more than anyone else. Show me someone else who does it on a regular basis like he has. I don't have StatCast with me. Lantern, these takes are almost as bad as your Russell Westbrook takes and all the other ones you See, had well, about I the NBA you players. Back to him. You defend <laughs> the good guys in sports like Russell Westbrook. No, I just LeBron, call it like I James. see it. I'm, so look at I'm not guys. even a Manny fan, but I might be cheering for him now. I don't know, Lantern. So well, when, you should cheer for him. I, I'll just tell you, you'll be in the minority. We have revisionist history. I'm not afraid to be, be in no, the minority. It's going to so, be no different. It's going to be no different than what happened with Bryce Harper. And there's Jerry Coleman fighting with Scott and Jerry. And I got to boost the ratings on two shows on this station. Should be paid <laughs> twice. That was a lot of fun, though. We're still friends. Yeah. We are still friends. There's a piece that we were listening to it off the air. There's a piece where Jerry and, and Jeremy just go back and forth, and you can hear just Jeremy boiling because you're, you're just like, no, I, I when I sit in the press box, Jeremy, as a professional, I'm not allowed to cheer. But, so. <laughs> I've just not, woken up from I'm a not nap. out there kissing babies. I am sometimes cranky when I wake up from a nap. I know you, you cranky find that now. unusual, yes. I tell you, that was one of your, that was an award-winning one for you. Because it takes a lot to get Scott Garceau mad. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... Machado is a guy where people run hot. They are either all about his talent and his production or all anti his attitude and what happened at the end of his tenure. And so they're going to look for things to pick him apart. I think that this umpires union, I mean, posting an idiotic tweet with all these hashtags like they're a ninth grader makes them look so small and so petty. And that's a bad look for the umpires union who already seems so damn sensitive to everything. That's the best of your sports talk. It's around the dial Wednesday, June the 19th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.